so we're continuing um, with 1 Samuel, <clears throat> chapter 22, and you'll find that on page 294, and we're going to go through the whole of chapter 22. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. And all those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered round him, and he became their leader. About 400 men were with him. From there, David went to Mizpah in Moab. And he said to the king of Moab, Would you let my father and mother come and stay with you until I learn what God will do for me? So he left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with him as long as David was in the stronghold. But the prophet Gad said to David, Do not stay in the stronghold. Go into the land of Judah. So David left and went to the forest of Hereth. Now Saul heard that David and his men had been discovered. And Saul's spear in hand was seated under the tamarisk tree on the hill at Gibeah, with all his officials standing round him. And Saul said to them, Listen, men of Benjamin, will the son of Jesse give all of you fields and vineyards? Will he make all of you commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds? Is that why you have all conspired against me? No one tells me when my son makes a covenant with the son of Jesse. None of you is concerned about me or tells me that my son has incited my servant to lie in wait for me as he does today. But Doeg the Edomite, who was standing with Saul's officials, said, I saw the son of Jesse come to Ahimelech, son of Achitab, at Nob. Ahimelech inquired of the Lord for him. He also gave him provisions and the sword of Goliath the Philistine. Then the king sent for the priest Ahimelech, son of Achitab, and his father's whole family, who were the priests at Nob, and they all came to the king. Saul said, Listen now, son of Achitab. Yes, my lord, he answered. Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me, you and the son of Jesse, giving him bread and a sword and inquiring of God for him, so that he has rebelled against me and lies in wait for me, as he does today? Ahimelech answered the king, Who of all your servants is as loyal as David, the king's son-in-law, captain of your bodyguard, and highly respected in your household? Was that day the first time I inquired of God for him? Of course not. Let not the king accuse your servant or any of his father's family, for your servant knows nothing at all about this whole affair. But the king said, You shall surely die, Ahimelech, you and your father's whole family. Then the king ordered the guards at his side, Turn and kill the priests of the Lord. They too have sided with David. They knew he was fleeing, yet they did not tell me. But the king's officials were not willing to raise a hand to strike the priests of the Lord. 
The king then ordered Doeg, you turn and strike down the priests. So Doeg the Edomite turned and struck them down. That day he killed 85 men who wore the linen ephod. He also put to the sword Nob, the town of the priests, with its men and women, its children and infants, and its cattle, donkeys, and sheep. But Abiathar, son of Ahimelech, son of Achitab, escaped and fled to join David. He told David that Saul had killed the priests of the Lord. And then David said to Abiathar, That day, when Doeg the Edomite was there, I knew he would be sure to tell Saul, I am responsible for the death of your father's whole family. Stay with me. Don't be afraid. The man who is seeking your life is seeking mine also. You will be safe with me. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Lovely to be with you this morning. Uh, My name's Chris. If we haven't met before, it would be lovely to meet you after the service, perhaps. Uh, Good to be here together, uh, looking at God's word together. Let's pray together as we start. Uh, Dear Lord, we do thank you so much um, for speaking to us through your word, the Bible. And we trust that it is for our good. So I pray so much that you help us to listen with open hearts today to what you would have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I wonder what you would say um, if someone asked you, um, is the Christian life safe? Is the Christian life safe? Uh, If you are a Christian, uh, you might instinctively say, uh, yeah, actually, the Christian life is very safe. Uh, As a Christian, I believe I can be totally sure that God is with me day by day. And that he's promised to take me to be with him, even after I die. Uh, Yeah, uh, my life is safe with God. Very safe, yeah, yeah. But others of you might be thinking, well, well, hang on a minute, actually. Because in many ways, the Christian life is not safe, right? I mean, think even just this past week. Did you see in the news, um, Asya Bibi in Pakistan, she's a Christian accused of blasphemy. And there... Um, many people are protestingly, are protesting openly against her, wanting to kill her. They're very clear, they want to kill her. And because she's a Christian, her life is, is, is clearly is, is not safe. It's not safe at all. And for many other Christians throughout the world as well, life is, is vulnerable, life is dangerous. Is the Christian life safe? Is it safe? Well, in fact, both those answers are true, actually. And the Christian life is at the same time very safe and not safe. It's not safe and very safe. It's both those things, actually. And that's something that we see very clearly in this, uh, well, it's clearly shadowed in this chapter of the Bible that we had read for us this morning. And we're looking at today. Um, We're spending this autumn, if you don't know already, we're going through the book of 1 Samuel in the Old Testament. And today, again, we see in this a, a contrast of two leaders, so there's Saul, and the people of Israel chose him as their leader. They've chosen him as their king, but he's not good. He is not good at all. So God has chosen his own king for Israel instead, and that's David. But Saul is not happy about that at all. He is not happy. And in this chapter, well, we have three episodes, really. Um, 
And even though these are written 3,000 years ago, uh, they do show us how the Christian life is at the same time not safe and yet very safe. Both those things. And they show us that because David, as a king, is a, well, he shadows Jesus Christ. He shadows Jesus. So that's how we think about applying this to our lives today. Because life following Jesus is not safe and yet very safe. Both those things. So we'll look quickly at the three sections. We won't spend very long on each. Um, and I've put the headings in the bulletin handout, so do uh, find them there as well. There are three sections. Um, David gathers the distressed. Saul rages against David. And David protects the hunted. So let's look at these in turn. Uh, first of all, in verses 1 to 2, David gathers the distressed. So verse 1. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adulam. Okay, so um, King Saul had been hunting down David, hunting him down. He's jealous that God has chosen David, and David David is really popular as well, so Saul wants to kill David. He wants to kill him. And so David has been fleeing for his life, and he's gone to all sorts of different places. He's on the run, and he's even been to enemy territory just recently. He's in enemy territory. So really, since chapter 18, he's been fleeing on the run. And he leaves enemy territory and he escapes to this cave, this cave, the cave of Adulam. Um, a cave, well, I mean, it's not really the kind of place you choose to go to, I imagine. No, cold, wet, dark. If you're choosing where to go on holiday, you probably don't choose a cave, I imagine. You know, looking on Airbnb, where to go. I wouldn't have thought you'd want to go there. But David is on the run. He's on the run. So he goes to this cave as a safe place to hide. He's not alone in this cave, though, is he? He's not alone. Verse 1 continues. When his brothers and father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. So David's family kind of gather around him at this cave. You might remember uh, years earlier, um, David's brothers, well, they didn't really like David at all. They didn't. They kind of, David, you're the youngest. Who cares about you? They were quite dismissive of him, really, But here they join him. They join him at this cave. Probably because they know that if Saul is hunting David, they're probably going to be hunting them as well, their family. So they gather to David. And in fact, many others join them as well at this place. Uh, Verse 2 says this. Verse 2. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered round David. And he became their leader. About 400 men were with him. That's a lot of people. Maybe they were kind of nearby the cave rather than all in the cave. I don't know how they would squeeze into the cave, but lots of people there. They're distressed. Those in debt, possibly kind of mistreated by Saul. And the discontented. The word discontented um, literally means um, kind of bitter spirits. That's the word. It's the same word used for Hannah, if you remember. If you know from chapter 1 of 1 Samuel, Hannah, who was childless for a very long time, she was described as bitter spirits. So people like that gather around David. And I think it's fair to say that all of us can sometimes feel uh, very bitter, discontented, um, distressed in different ways. 
Perhaps that's you right now. I don't know. And maybe through illness, yourself or a friend or family member. You know, it's been happening a long time and it feels unfair, perhaps. Or maybe through disappointment. Life hasn't turned out quite how you thought it might. You feel bitter about that. Maybe uh, you're really being bullied or something at work or at, at school or even at, even at home. Christians, Christians are not immune from those things. Christians are not immune. Life is, life is not safe in that sense. But here in 1 Samuel, the distressed, they gather to David, they gather to him, and they think, ah, oh, there's a leader I can trust, David. I can trust him. I'll go to him. And David is a picture for us of Jesus Christ. There is a leader we can trust. Particularly if we're the distressed, the discontented, the bitter spirits, we can trust him. We can go to him. Go to Jesus. David gathers the distressed. And then the storyline turns to Saul. Saul, and that's our second main section, verses 6 to 19. Saul rages against David. That's what happens next. In this section, we'll see kind of more deeply why life is not safe for God's people. Saul rages against David. There's lots of detail in this episode, but here's a summary, really. Um, God has anointed David, as we said, uh, to be future king. But Saul hates it. He hates it. So he's raging against David. And he wants to kill David, as we said. And he thinks in this moment, he thinks, he thinks everyone is conspiring with David against him. He's totally paranoid. And he ends up taking out his rage, especially on a priest called Ahimelech. Um, now, in, in the previous chapter, just to say, chapter 21, Ahimelech... Um, well, he'd given David um, some bread and a sword. He'd helped him out. And Saul hears about this from another guy called Doeg, who was there when it happened. So Saul then accuses Ahimelech of conspiring. That's what happens. He accuses him of conspiring. And Ahimelech says, um, I was not conspiring. I was not. I wasn't doing that. I didn't even know that David was on the run. Because David had actually lied to Ahimelech about why he was asking him for help. But Saul doesn't believe Ahimelech, so in verse 17 he says this, Ahimelech, you shall surely die, you and your father's whole family. Uh, The guards won't carry out the killing, so Doeg does it. It's horrendous. Horrendous. He slaughters Ahimelech, he slaughters 85 priests in total, and he slaughters the whole town of Nob with its men, women, its children and infants and animals. It's horrendous. Saul claimed to be God's king, but he's happy to slaughter God's priests and an entire town. Horrendous. And it all comes from Saul's rage against David because God had chosen David. All comes from that. Think back to the story this week of um, Azia Bibi in Pakistan. Um, the protesters there, they're really, they, are, they are enraged, aren't they? You can see it on the TV. They are enraged. But why is that? Well, it's all because um, about eight years ago, I think it happened, um, she, she dared to suggest that Jesus Christ is greater than Muhammad. 
That's what happened. So um, she had been chased from a well because she was seen as unclean as a Christian. And she responded by saying that Jesus had rescued her and asked the question, what has your prophet done for you? Provocative question, perhaps. But do you see the people there were raging against Jesus Christ and taking it out on Asia Bibi? Saul rages against David. He rages against God. And he takes it out on God's people. Slaughters them. Saul rages against David. And then our final short section. Verses 20 to 23. David protects the hunted. That's our final section. David protects the hunted. You see, one person manages to escape the slaughter. That's Ahimelech's son. And he's now hunted, so he flees to David for protection. Let me read from verse 20. Do you follow along with me? Verse 20. But Abiathar, son of Ahimelech, son of Ahitub, escaped and fled to join David. He told David that Saul had killed the priests of the Lord. Then David said to Abiathar, That day, when Doeg the Edomite was there, I knew he would be sure to tell Saul. I am responsible for the death of your father's whole family. Notice that David takes responsibility, doesn't he? Abiathar, I made a massive mistake in lying to your father. I admit that. And now Saul has killed your father and all your family. It's my fault. And now Abiathar would have been He would have been traumatized. Can you you can't even begin to imagine? He would have been traumatized and so scared. So scared after what happened. What can David say to comfort him? He says this, verse 23. He says, Stay with me, Abiathar. Don't be afraid. The man who is seeking your life is seeking mine also. You will be safe with me. David vows to protect Abiathar with his life. But what he says is quite amazing, isn't it? So let's look closely at this. David is not actually saying to this guy, he's not saying, look, Abiathar, I'll do everything I possibly can to protect you, even if I die trying. He's not saying that, is he? He's not. He's saying, Abiathar, if you stay with me, you will be safe. You will be. No doubt about it. You will be safe. And why is that? Well, David gives his reason, which is this. Listen, Abiathar, the man who is seeking your life is seeking mine also. Now, that seems quite a strange way to reassure Abiathar, to my mind. And like Saul is hunting David. Wouldn't it be safer for Abiathar to be miles away from David if David's being hunted? Seems a bit strange. David says, no, no, stay with me. Stay with me. Why is Abiathar safer with David? What David is saying, Saul is hunting me precisely because God is with me. So Saul cannot win. He can't win. God is with me. And if God is with me, then you are safe with me as well. That's what he's saying. The man who is seeking your life is seeking mine also. You will be safe with me. 
And this is just another way in which David points forward to Jesus Christ a thousand years later. In one of the gospel accounts of Jesus' life, uh, the writer John uh, records Jesus talking to his disciples. And Jesus says this. It's in John 15, verse 18, if you want to look it up later. Jesus says to his disciples, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. So if the world hates you, and Jesus often says the world will hate them, keep in mind that the world hated Jesus first. Jesus is saying, living as his disciples is not safe, actually. It's not safe. The world around will do things to harm you. But the reason it does that is because it hates Jesus. Now, if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, perhaps, and you're here today, uh, you might be thinking, uh, I, I don't think I hate Christians, actually. I don't think I hate Jesus. Well, we don't have much time to kind of uh, think about this now. But Jesus often said that people would find his message quite offensive, actually. The thought that humans face uh, God's judgment and only Jesus can save us from that through his death on the cross... It's, it's easy to not like that message. And if that's you, I'd love to encourage you to kind of keep thinking about uh, that core message from Jesus and why it is actually good news rather than something to hate. And if you are a Christian, following the Lord Jesus, the point is here, he says to you, he says to us, if the world tries to harm you, and it will, It's only because it hates me and my message. Now, again, that might seem kind of a strange sort of encouragement from Jesus. But do you see his point? Don't don't be discouraged. Of course being a Christian isn't safe. People hate me, so they're going to hate you. Of course. So as we kind of come to a finish, two, two kind of points for us to remember from what we've seen today. And I've put them on the bulletin sheet in the sermon notes as well. Two things to go away with. First, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, expect to be hunted. Expect to be hunted. And that's not a kind of cheerful thing to say, I admit. That's not very cheerful, is it? Uh, But it is important for us to realise. It's totally normal that at some point in your life, as a Christian, you will experience people trying to harm you in some way, in some way. It might be physical harm, and for many Christians around the world, it really is that. It might be that. I think in this country at the moment, it's more likely to be um, social harm. Social harm, so being cut off from friendships, being cut off from a, I don't know, a chance for promotion at work because you're, living distinct, you're working distinctively as a Christian, perhaps, perhaps. Or being cut off from your family, even. It could be that. Maybe even as a, as a church, it could be uh, being cut off from the respect of the community around us. It could be that. That's quite possible. And I think as the years go by, Christianity is less and less respected I think that's fair to say. And we can totally expect that society will be harder and harder on Christians. We can expect that. Jesus says, yeah, that's normal. That's normal. 
That's usually the case. Expect to be hunted. And secondly and finally, flee to your saviour. Flee to your saviour. Every day we need to flee to Jesus Christ. Flee to him. And especially when the world tries to harm us. Flee to Jesus. Even though you might be physically and socially harmed in different ways. Even killed. He can and will keep you safe. Very safe. In an ultimate sense. Your eternal life is safe with him. It really is. And he promises that he will not let you go. He won't let you go. And in the meantime, he will give you the courage to face even the hardest trial. Flee to your saviour. We're safe with him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for Jesus, who is an amazing saviour, who is our saviour, if we trust in him. And we do thank you so much for the realism of your words, that you tell us kind of what to expect. We are sorry for maybe our, our wrong ex- expectations of what life will bring. Maybe we do seek comfort, perhaps, more than other things. So I do pray, Lord, that you'd help us to flee to Jesus. Thank you that he keeps us safe through all the trials we might face and that we will be with there. We will be with him in heaven if we trust in him. Thank you that that is true. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.